And welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there's known in the English language about Eintracht Frankfurt, the best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter. We are a little bit biased. I am your host, Brian and Casey. You can always reach out to me on Twitter. That is at KCSGE. More importantly, you can always reach out to the show on Twitter. That is at HEFPod. Follow us on Instagram where you can reach to us there. And that is Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. Hey Eintracht Frankfurt at gmail.com. Should you want to write out a email? And of course, facebook.com slash HEFPod for all the English language content on one convenient location covering the Eintracht in the English language. So, here to talk about all things Eintracht as both the Frauen and the Mannen were in action this Sunday, uh, 11 21. I know some people will say, hey, that's not how you read out the date. All right, November the 21st. It is Chris in Detroit who joins me. Chris, welcome back. How are you feeling? Thanks, Brian. I'm doing great. Uh, the Christmas lights are up. Operation Clark Griswold was a success. Frankfurt is winning on both fronts, and we're headed into European competition this week. Things could not be better. Exactly. The team is absolutely buzzing right now. Um, I can definitely say that this is, I would almost say, a little bit getting, maybe we're coming to a crescendo with Glasner. You know, like maybe the all the busting of his busting of the team's balls and everything, just kind of really getting to them, like in cr- being critical, very finite on uh, criticism on the way that their performance had been. And then they come out with this. This was a brilliant first half, followed by a, we're holding on, we're just going to kind of att- just admit that this is uh, a good first half and hold on for dear life for the second half. It is what it is. And the Eintracht comes away with a 2-0 victory, rolling out with a 3-4-2-1 formation that is starting to become a little all too familiar. And uh, yeah, a 2-1 victory for the Eintracht win. I would definitely have to say that the uh, man on the pitch for the Eintracht who really got everything going, to me, oh, that was none other than... uh, Tuta and Lindstrom, I guess if you had to kind of throw any two guys in there. Look, we were great at being able to convert the our two opportunities that we did have in the first half. We kind of took our gas off it a little bit. But for me, I mean, I think the defense was a real winner here today. It wasn't just Tuta who had a goal line clearance, so that was huge. But, you know, Indica, give him a little credit. Uh, so, because, you know, that's something that we figured would be kind of, that was something that we were expecting was a lock. So, Hinteregger was not in there. It was uh, Tuta, Hasebe, and Indica in the back three. So, kind of, Threw one to us as a shocker. You had Timmy Chandler out on the right as a starter. Um, he eventually was replaced. You had Kostic out on the left. And, of course, the usual two in the midfield, Yakik. And so with uh, in the attack uh, alongside uh, Kamada and the island that apparently I still reside on was uh, Jesper Lindstrom. 
a player you know, Chris, quite well, along with uh, Bore at the very top. Um, when we rolled out with that lineup, I still thought, you know, this is going to be a close game. I still was sticking by my predictions, but I'm glad to be proven wrong. Yeah, what we saw today uh, from the lineup rolled out, more so in the formation that we rolled out in, uh, we've seen it before. And we've seen pretty much this lineup before. Um, I think we saw Glasner go in with a plan instead of throwing stuff at a wall and seeing if it sticks. Um, I thought the back line was really good. Uh, even though Freiburg brought it, took it to us a little bit and pressed us really hard at times, uh, Tuta was fantastic. He, he was everything we've expected him to be. He stood up. He he was physically aggressive early instead of waiting guys to get down into the box before he played the body. Uh, he was playing the body out high and forcing them to make a play earlier than they really wanted to. And then, of course, the goal line uh, clearance was fantastic. Ndika was good. Hasebe was quality. And the spine right up the middle um, with Jakic and, and So doing what they've really started to work well together in the middle i think uh we're starting to turn a corner there and dare i say uh i think this entire roster is starting to turn a corner they're starting to work together more uh chandler looks really comfortable there with him not traveling um i think an older guy like him had a lot of time to get comfortable and know he probably knew a while ago he would be starting this match i doubt we'll see him thursday um, but I hope we see him next weekend, not not to get too far ahead. But Chandler's providing very valuable minutes on that right side. And it's been a while since we had that that luxury over there. That would be 100% facts. Um, look, I, I really was anxious about this one. I thought when uh, the line notes were first coming out, I thought, okay, so Timmy Chandler – is going to be replaced by someone, what, like, you know, right at the half, maybe a few minutes in. But no, Chandler really uh, was very competent and provided the kind of stability that we haven't seen out on that side for quite some time. Uh, Durham last year was providing that for us, but for whatever reason, uh, whilst with Glasner, um, I blame it on the hair, but... So far, it hasn't been working, and this is one of those times that we finally had balance. Balance, balance, balance is what we have been really sticking to because we were all looking at Kostic is going to you know, have to do something. I mean, he ended up doing something in this match, but I mean, I would put that all that – let's be real. Kostic getting that goal, that was all because the goalkeeper – Figured someone would put their head on it and misjudged it and couldn't get back to save his butt. Right. And, you know, I, I want to ask you this. How do you feel about Bore up there? The guy moves at a million miles an hour off the ball. Uh, I really like his hustle. He seems very motivated. But we're not seeing a lot of opportunities. You know, even with a guy like Kostic feeding, feeding, cross after cross after cross um bore isn't exactly capitalizing up there but i'm not exactly uncomfortable with him there either i like bore over lammers at this point um what do you feel about that um if we start really 
if Kostic continues to get a lot of uh, crosses in, then you need to take off Bore. If you are trying to play... If it's a if game where we have to rely yeah, on Yeah, I think that Lammers, yeah. just with a taller frame, is better suited to that. Um, but this also wasn't that kind of game either. Um, as we saw you know, early on, where we were able to pass the ball more than three consecutive times, multiple times. We actually did that. And I know in our live chat during the match, there were some people saying, holy shit, look at that. We just put three, four, or five passes together, and it's been a while. I mean, this was really a an organized mess. We're not where we want to be yet. I think there were points today that were concerning. Um, but on the whole, I think today was another indication that we're turning that corner. I can agree with that. Um, I liked how we were able to not just keep a balance. You know, we played out a lot on the right, but, you know, just overall, just try to keep it about as even as possible. Look at uh, Looking over to Freiburg, Freiburg looked more like what Eintracht typically looks like when uh, in the recent match days when we all say Costa just getting tired. We're all going through him, expecting him to do something that will demoralize him and cause him to want to leave and leave sooner, if not later. And the bounce, look, we got the bounce right. The midfield uh, was able to attack through the middle, had it on the right. Um, it was a, it was an all-around performance. It was the kind of performance that we knew that this team had been capable of for many, many months. And we just haven't seen a complete performance where we looked like the team that was going to end up winners at the end of the day. And even still, like Freiburg during that second half, they kept on coming wave after wave after wave. But I think Glasner realized, you know what? We're in a really great opportunity. It's time for us to just shut this thing down and just see it out. He probably was thinking, you know, with us playing a more open style, they're going to Freiburg benefits from hidden teams on the counterattack all the time. And on more than one or two occasions that had been a little dicey, we still were able to cover on defense, but you know, it only takes one time and then you just get exploited. And then the momentum really has changed because you've conceded that goal. And that's what Freiburg has just been able to do so well. Um, we scored against the best defense in the Bundesliga twice. And I think that's something to be very proud about. Um, and we, we didn't let off the gas either after that first goal. Uh, a couple other matches we've scored in the 30s, uh, minute-wise, you know, the 30th minute or between the 30th and the 40th, and then we let off the gas. And we've been scored on very late in the first half multiple times this year. And I thought it was important that not only did we keep our foot on the gas, it led, even if it was a accidental on that Kostic goal, um, keeping things pushing forward led to that second goal. Sure. So that, to me, was a big step forward, too, saying... We took the lead, and not only did we take it, we're going to extend the lead. All right, let's talk about the guy who scored that first goal. In uh, uh, Jesper Lindstrom, he was very excited in his post-match comments. 
that you can see uh, in English there up on the Bundesliga website in terms of describing how he felt after scoring that goal. And for me, we we saw, we would see flashes of it, but it was very intermittent. Um, when I had asked uh, Danish soccer fans about uh, Lindstrom, they said, hey, look, the guy is capable of magic, but sometime, but he's got a lot of work to do in terms of being a consistent performer because that's what he would uh, just run it for multiple games. And then, you know, as young players do, you know, inconsistency is the greatest enemy to the youth. And uh, for from that point, Chris, do you feel justified in all the praise that you were heaping on him when we first signed him? I'm going to pretend that that Danish fan you were talking about was myself. Uh, <laughs> um, well, I, I said it from the minute this move was made that you're going to like what you see from him, but you're also going to want more of it. And we kind of saw in the in the friendlies at the beginning of the year and then at the very start of league play, the guy is a magnet for the ball. He, he just finds a way to be present when the ball is in that area, but he's not exactly exactly refined enough to do something with it at all times. But he looked a little more comfortable today. I think we're seeing him grow. It's not easy when you take a young kid like that going from a smaller league, a quality league, but a smaller league to a grown man's league like like the Bundesliga is. And it's taken some time to make that adjustment, but he's handled it pretty well. And today paid off for him greatly. It was really exciting. Uh, Danish soccer Twitter was all over that one. They're thrilled <laughs> what it means for him and what it could mean for the Danes going into the World Cup next yeah, year. Yeah, considering too. he was just coming off of his first full international appearance with the Danish national team, I can only imagine that for his confidence, like this is what they are hoping is the springboard for more and greater things to come. Um, also, not that not saying that he's going to be replacing an Eriksson, but you know he could be very vital in terms of uh, the Danish Dynamo going forward from a national team uh, point. Um, but so we got a match on Thursday, Chris. The question then is, um, is he uh, a starter for that or is he a player off the bench? Cause you realize that you need to rotate things around to best be able to navigate uh, these very busy times that the team is currently uh, dealing with. Yeah. There's, there's not only the matchup on Thursday to think about, but if you run a lot of these guys out Thursday, then you have to look ahead to Sunday against Union back at home. So there's a lot for Glasner to look at. Um, for a young guy like Lindstrom, after scoring a big goal like that, I say, hey, roll him out again on Thursday. The kid has the legs. He's really smart about where he, where he spends that energy. And there's other guys that we have that can replace him who I'm just as confident in. So I say roll him out Thursday, and then if you want to want to put him on the bench Sunday, that's fine with me. Or if you want to bring him off the bench Thursday and start him Sunday. Either way, I'm fine with it. I think after you score a big goal like that, you run him back out in the next match. I can agree with that. See if you found fire somewhere. I can agree with that. Um, I think I'm always going to try and play the Kamada in Europe angle until it stops working. <laughs> so 
perhaps. Uh, you do you. Huh? You do you. I'm not going to subscribe to that one. Here's the deal. <laughs> uh, we saw it again today at least twice where the guy just, you know. So my daughter is six years old and we're out back playing soccer and I kick the ball to her and she's got the net wide open and she gets so excited that she just laughs so hard that she falls down and forgets to kick the ball. That is Daichi Kamada in a nutshell. I'm <laughs> done giving this kid opportunities. Like, you know, you got a wide open goal, you sail it 50 yards over the net, or, you know, you, you, he fell down on his own on a, on a one on O a few weeks ago. Like, I, I mean, he shows up in Europe, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rely on that. It's too inconsistent for me. Well, um, youth is typically inconsistent, but this youth player was not. Tuta, uh, goal line clearance, and just a solid as a rock player. Look, after the Pokal fiasco, he had a lot to do to earn himself a spot back into the start, uh, back up to the starting 11. Uh, not just the flipping bench, but he's got it. And I have a funny feeling that, uh, Tuta's going to be in the back line for the foreseeable future as, you know, him, Hinty, and Indica, that kind of trio are just going to be the, the Eintracht three. Um, for at, I still believe that this, that this team will at least keep these guys together. We need to add to that. That's a different story for a different topic for maybe a different time. But the kid was amazing and it just goes to show that he really has just worked and worked and worked uh under the eye at Glasner and perhaps him not going on being called up for international duty of any sort uh by Brazil he's too old for the under 20s and there's a lot of guys in front of him for the full Brazil uh national team but I mean I think Glasner has liked what he's seen in training and with him sticking around whilst Glasner's, you know, working with those guys who are not on international duty, I think that has actually worked out for him. And uh, he's definitely reaching, reaping the benefits presently. Uh, there was a time recently where he was not even in the substitution list. I mean, the guy was up in the stands. He wasn't even on the bench. And that's something that is kind of lost now after the match he had today. I fully expect him to be a regular out there for the next month or so going forward. It just shows you how much work he put in and how quickly he's grown up. And he's he should be a mainstay on that back line. Uh, it's up to him if he's willing to work hard enough to do that. But what we saw today speaks volumes about how hard he's worked to get back in Glasner's good graces. Exactly. And... It kind of shows that, hey, if he can work his way back into the good graces of the coach, then um, I would say that going forward, we're going to be doing great because that's one less thing that the coach has to then start working with the sporting director in terms of, hey, well, I don't think, you know, uh, from what I saw from this one Pokal game, he's not good enough. So we need to find someone else to bring in, you know, that's maybe just a little bit more pressure off of the coach, which can only make the team go further up and up and up the Bundesliga table. Um, I will p- 
point out that right now we're definitely reaping the benefits of the fact that some other teams are just sucking ass right now. <laughs> I mean, we were able to jump was like three, four places in the table right now as I look at it. I mean, that's a significant jump. Now, was I a little kind of anxious when um, when uh, Augsburg uh, had the result? Uh, yes, we can make mention of that in the later, in the later part of the pod. But uh, the jump that we had, I mean, now we're in mid-table. And literally, what, a month ago, um, two people on this podcast who are not here tonight to uh, answer for themselves had said, yeah, uh, we're looking at being a relegation team. I said that too, and I'm not shying away from that yet because, I mean, a loss next weekend and wins by the correct teams, we could still be in that battle. So, look, there's we're still just a third of the way into the year, a little more. Um, there's a logjam of teams right there. I mean, we're ahead on goal differential, but... I mean, we're, you know, one goal away from being 12th and we're today a loss today away from still being at, you know, 14 or 15. So whatever it, to me, the table's not as important right now is developing and finding that consistency, that rotation. I think we've nailed it now, took long enough, but I think we're in the position where we don't have to watch the table as long as we keep taking results where we should be getting can't agree with that because uh, Thursday, uh, Europa League match, that is uh, going to be the final home match uh, within the Europa uh, League group phase for the Eintracht. And a big one it is at that. We'll talk about that uh, when we preview uh, that in another part of the podcast. But now, Chris, it is time for hashtag what are we drinking? What are you drinking on this victory Sunday? All right, so it's been a great day. It's been a great week. Because the um, NFL doesn't I exist, am, right? Uh, yeah, you know, we don't have an NFL team in Detroit. We haven't for many, many decades. Uh, so I'm just going to enjoy good uh, footy and ignore that American football that plagues my city every Sunday. <laughs> but back to what we're drinking, and that football team is the reason I drink. Um <laughs> So tonight I have Knob Creek Smoked Maple, uh, one of my favorite bourbons out there on the cheaper end. Uh, actually, it's distilled by Jim Beam under uh, the Knob Creek label. Uh, south of Louisville, good stuff. Maple, but not too maple. Smoke, not too much smoke. Just perfect. Sounds like a few of those will put you on the floor. And the wife will have to pick you up. <laughs> well um yeah so uh for me uh i've been feeling so bouncing off the walls that i decided to bring out the eintracht glass and fill it with one of my favorites and this is sam adams boston lager that i have it filled with it brings joy to my heart when the Eintracht win, and this brings joy to my taste buds when I drink it. So that is what we have for hashtag what are we drinking from me here in Kansas City. So to that, Prost, and we'll be back in just a moment uh, with segment two, 
and where we're going to talk about the Frauen, Europa League, and the Bundesliga as a whole. So stay with. Two of Hate Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, Chris, it's your very favorite segment. Frauen Corner. Oh, I, I thought we just did my favorite segment. <laughs> I, you know, I like to drink and then follow it up by talking about the Frauen Corner because those are two wonderful things that we do on this show. Yeah, and you know what? We kicked ass. We took and just looked fantastic out there because. Uh, if you haven't seen the score, well, you're going to find that score out now. Eintracht comes away with a victory over Leverkusen. And, uh, Chris, you were able to see a lot more of the match than I. Shame. But, you know, I'm only able to comment on what I see. And uh, outside of the highlights, uh, what did you see? Well, I do find it interesting that uh, the club has found a way to post a full match link to the women's second team match less than 24 hours later, but we still can't get a full-length stream for the women's side. So if anybody's listening, Peter Fisher, uh, please, we're here, we're waiting. Um, But anyway, from the highlights I was able to see today, uh, I've been saying it all year. I'll push it again. Uh, Shakira Martinez is the MVP of this team right now. She's physical. She's fast. Her vision is vastly improved, and she had another one of those goals today down the right side, uh, using her size to muscle around a defender, throwing it across the middle. Lara Prashnikar was there, and it's becoming a routine thing. Um, much like the men's side has Kostic on the left, cross to the middle, the ladies have, have Martinez over there, and she's money right now. Keep feeding her. Uh, Prashnikar with the finish. Could have been two. There could have been a third one in there late in the first. Um, At the end of the first, like I was talking about, Martinez is the MVP. Uh, Her elbow made a nice goal line save. Um, Fortunately, it wasn't seen. But we're not going to talk about that any further. They held off in the second half. Uh, Leverkusen pressed a little bit. But on the whole, uh, it was a great match. Good finish. Good rotation of subs. what I think they need to do a little more is try to find that scoring depth. When you score in the 26th, uh, we need fragging or somebody to finish off those opportunities they had. Much like the men's side scored theirs in the 30th and then came up with one in the next 10 minutes to to take full control, uh, the ladies still haven't done that quite yet where they, they get the one-goal lead and then can push it to two. Um, that would have helped against... Wolfsburg, when we gave up that late, uh, that late winter to them, it would have been nice to have uh, opportunity to get ahead further. After we went up two nil, and then they Wolfsburg made their comeback. We need to find a way to close out more efficiently. So, if that's the one thing I have to say, um, just consistency through the second half of the second half, that fourth quarter, 
But other than that, hey, sitting third in the table, uh, no complaints there. One point back behind Wolfsburg, Byron in second. And uh, tough schedule coming up. We got uh, Potsdam coming up, I believe. Is that the next one? That's correct, yes. Yeah, uh, Potsdam is is historically a tough match. So they're sitting right next to us in the table. They're at fifth, two points back. So uh, that's going to be a fun one next week. Yeah, and to me, I think uh, that the real big thing when it comes to the Frauen and like uh, what kind of success we can expect from them is that when it comes to playing, you know, Potsdam. Now, remember, I, Chris, should have probably stopped you there. Uh, we're actually going on an international break on the female side. So, oh, <laughs> well, see, I'm just so excited for the next match. I feel like, I feel like, I mean, there's no research behind this. I'm just going to rant for a second. I feel like the women's game has more international breaks than the men. And I don't know if that's real or not, or if I'm just feeling that. It's because we hear about it on the U.S. side when the U.S. women go on international duty. Until recent World Cup qualifiers from the U.S. side, from the men, if I can be honest, until they started like performing in a way that made us happy, um, we were looking more forward to the the ladies' matches. So the sheer fact that they are now, you know, uh, performing – and succeeding always oh, just uh it's just peachy right now um but yeah. but on that note mm, as well yes. uh, i guess as, as we look at an international break coming up uh meryl froms has has established herself as the germany number one yeah and we all know who should be the germany number one on the men's sure. side um so let's look at you know kevin trapp and and meryl froms is two of the best goaltenders in all of europe um, I don't care what other people have to say. The results speak for themselves. Those two pull out saves left and right, like like no no other pair in the world can compare yeah. to. So we're lucky to have them, and I hope they both stick around. For yeah, Potsdam at the weekend was able to get a three three draw with Hoffenheim, which benefited Eintracht as they were able to then uh, leapfrog. And uh, get into a top three spot right now. So we're just one point behind first place Wolfsburg. We're behind uh, Bayern on uh, 11 goal difference difference between us. But the thing is, we're about to hit uh, what I would say the easier part of the season is. Now, yes, is Potsdam difficult? Yes, but then there are two matches before they uh, cut off uh, for the uh, spring. And at basically go into the winter break and you got Bremen and Sand after Potsdam. And not going to lie, if you're the Frauen, you come away with a win or a draw against Potsdam, you're then feeling really buzzing because, especially if you get the win, because then, I mean, Sand, on the table, they are going down. Uh, them along with Yenna, they're going down. We already crushed them, uh, what was it, last week at uh, the previous weekend, um, Bremen and neither one of those teams can score. Bremen has five goals for the season through nine matches. So it's another one of those things where the, it's a little different where on the men's side, there's a lot more parody where, uh, shameless plug last week. I picked the, uh, Bielefeld, 
upset over Wolfsburg that didn't quite happen, almost did. Um, those are a little easier to see. Here, those upsets are far more uh, few and far between, but you also have to be aware of it, too. Uh, we're scoring a ton of goals recently and well-timed goals, but those can go dry pretty quick. We saw it last year where the women got off to a really quick start, and then goals were hard to come by for the better part of two months. So we can't get into this, hey, we're pushing the top of the table, and then all of a sudden we think things ease up a little bit, and then we're caught in a goal-scoring drought. Yep, well, uh, here's to the ladies uh, continuing on, because as I mentioned, if you face Bremen and Sand after Potsdam, those should be a locked six points. We'll see, but uh, I would say that uh, the team is buzzing right now in a position to really, really make some stuff happen. But hey, you know what? Bremen, until recently, had next to no points on the season, and in their last, in what their last They're four or bad. last five matches, they've got nearly all their points. Just yeah, bad. They're- they're very bad. Them yeah. and Cologne um, too. Another team who's just not, uh, just really, just not been at the paces uh, when it comes to the Frauen again, uh, season the, this year. The inability to score, the inability to score at the bottom of the table is just remarkable. Right yeah, you got Jenna. You know, teams, Jenna at least in Cologne. Have a slow start, I mean, but. both of them are at least a newly promoted size with Sand. Now we've talked about how. Um, Erste FSA Frankfurt joined with Eintracht to become Eintracht Frankfurt ladies, Eintracht Frankfurt Frauen. Um, but you'd have, and Potsdam has a current working relationship with, uh, with, uh, Hearth Berlin, I think it is. But, you know, SJS Essen, they're their own, uh, independent club, Sand, same exact thing there. And you're just seeing these struggles of, uh, teams that, are are not don't have really just don't have Bundesliga teams behind them. Werder Bremen, Wolfsburg, um, Leverkusen, Cologne, Frankfurt, Hoffenheim, Freiburg, München. Um, all those are uh, in the non relegation zone spots now. Jena uh, technically has them inside, but I think they're in the Regionalliga, the fourth division, recently relegated from the third, if memory serves, so it's not exactly like they have as much stability as the others, but, I mean, that's, it's kind of like in other parts of the world where, you know, you have, uh, in the in the women's game, you don't have clubs that are excelling that don't already have men's clubs that are in the first division or second division of what is the national league for men. So I mean, it's a it's an interesting dynamic. It's right kind now. of it's an unfortunate thing because the women's game should stand on its own. I don't like that we have to make those references. I I prefer that we have our own entire podcast devoted for the women because I think the game is that good that it that it deserves that. Um, but the reality is that in the business climate of of European soccer today, the resources that the men's money provides supports the women's clubs. So it it was strictly a business move. Um, the the FFC Eintracht. Uh, combination there made business sense it made branding sense and it was good for football in frankfurt 
And we're going to see the fruits of that labor soon. I think we're starting to see it now as this young team grows up. But you, you have to see some of that fight in a team like SKS Essen, um, who's sitting towards the middle of the table right now. They have the ability to punch above their weight class. They will take down some bigger names and maybe pull themselves up higher in the table. But you see it's going to be hard for the other ones that just don't have the resources behind them, whether it's training or or medical Sand or is whatever a part it is. of the country um, that doesn't even, like, I mean, you ha- it's got no one nearby. It's from a very small community, and the fact that they're, they, as a club, do as well as they have in these last few years since they finally got up to the Frauenbundesliga, Bund- Frauen it's been just kind of impressive how they've been able to survive, but it's just that. It's like survival is all that they can ask for. It's kind of like if you look at the regular Bundesliga uh, for the men, you know, um, like Augsburg, what are they aiming to do every year? Survive. Mainz, pretty much the same boat. They all realize that if they survive and they have a good crop of guys that don't all suddenly go here, there, and everywhere, then they can make a, you know, a de- uh, run at things. But they all understand that, you know, our resources hamstring what we can do. So, uh, anyways. But there's part of you that cheers mm-hmm. for that, too. We, we like the underdog story. You want to see the independent team uh, be successful. But, you know, as Bayern has shown, as Wolfberg has shown, um, money makes winning happen. That's just, that's modern sports no matter what the sport no matter what the country money makes winning and just to give it further credence to what we're discussing if you look at the second division of the the frauen league so zweite liga frauen um so there are four reserve teams in there just point out Wolfsburg, frankfurt München, and hoffenheim so clubs that got the money behind them to do that and then you have a Couple of Bundesliga level clubs, Leipzig, Ingolstadt, and then some lesser clubs. When I say lesser clubs, like their men's team are not in the Bundesliga, or maybe not even in the Zweite Liga, even at that. Uh, in Meppen, uh, Duisburg, and Elversburg, who are at least, you know, like it bouncing between the fourth and third tiers of the German leagues that. There's the facilities on hand that are better than what some of the other teams have available to them. Uh, I mean, if a if Esval Gutesloch was able to go up, and uh, I've never, I'm, I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say I've never heard of them. Uh, I don't. They're in North Rhine Westphalia, so the an area that you know is closer to Bielefeld. I mean, like, not too far away from Bielefeld, but, like, in the northern part of that region. But there's so many teams, Bundesliga, Frauenliga, teams that are here, there, and everywhere. I mean, it's kind of gross when you think about it, like, how many teams are in that region of Germany when it comes to the men's ranks alone, uh, or even just, like, history of clubs in the Bundesliga Anyways, we've we've uh, went a little bit uh, on a tangent there, Chris, uh, talking about just the Frauen right. as a whole. But I think it's something that needs to be brought to light, uh, you know, because people will ask questions on and wonder 
what the heck is going on, but, you know, this is kind of is what it is. And, you know, um, yeah. there are clubs that have there are haves and have nots. And I think uh, collegiate football is something that you and I will talk off air about. And we're both, um, well, at least my school is in the have nots. <laughs> Look, it's it, it doesn't matter the sport or the country. Those with the money do the most winning. It's just the way it is, and whether it's the women's game or the men's game, it's soccer, it's basketball, hockey, you name it, uh, you have the money, you have the resources to win. Yep. And we are blessed to be hosting a pod- podcast about a club that has resources. For as much as we complain about it, uh, relative to the rest of the footballing world, we have tremendous resources. Yep. That we do. Um, speaking of resources, this kind of goes great uh, because of what the Friday match in the Erste Bundesliga brought us. And uh, I made a quip to it earlier in the podcast, but a, res- a result that neither of us were expecting to happen was happening at uh, FCR. So Augsburg upset Bayern. That allowed BFB defeating Stuttgart to come within one point. I mean, it's not like as though we're saying the title race is on, but considering the fact that it's two weeks away from the Bayern Dortmund game, and, you know, both teams could feasibly, you know, come out of this upcoming weekend with wins, especially considering that they're busy with their own champions. Well, at least more Dortmund, so uh, than uh, yeah, than uh, Bayern uh, with Champions League uh, stuff to deal with. It's at least making the thing exciting, you know, and it's fun uh, that other right. teams will just uh, eventually just say, "You know what? Screw Bayern. We're gonna take it to them." And I think when Bayern is not wholeheartedly prepared they are full out susceptible I'll put it this way um, the years of Bayern winning the league by week 10 is obviously over because there were a few years there where there was no point in even starting the season you knew they were going to run away with it Um, the last couple years though it's not the Bayern of old they don't have 90% of the talent in the league the league is catching on. There's, they're figuring out how to play Bayern. Analytics is playing a big role in why teams are playing Bayern tougher. You might not be beating them, but you're playing them tougher. You're scouting better. Um, analytics in the Bundesliga has caught up to the rest of the world, and they're playing percentages. You're seeing weird lineups and formations to take advantage of that. Um, it, it, it's still their title to lose at this point. They still are the best team in the league, but you're going to see this a couple times through the year where Bayern loses a match to somebody farther down the table who you wouldn't expect. I mean, I mentioned a few minutes ago, I predicted BLFL to beat Wolfsburg. <laughs> that had nothing to do with just trying to trying to grab attention. For those that don't know, Bielefeld was up 2-0 and just shit the game away. I can't really help that, but, um, you know, analytics and scouting is so advanced now that teams have found a way to neutralize the playing field. You know, very rarely now are you going to see four or five, six nil routes from the Bayerns, the Dortmunds, 
or whoever, um, teams are playing better and teams are playing more science based. And that's making it, it's kind of dull in a way because you're seeing formations that take a high explosive offense and make them kind of stale. But it's making for more parity in the league. And to see Augsburg beat Dortmund, I'm sure a lot of people didn't tune in because they just said, hey, Bayern's going to go win 3 0, 4 0 again. It. What's the point of me wasting my Friday? I didn't watch because I expected Bayern to run away with it. Um, I'm just kind of accustomed to it now. But that's one. Now I wish I had gone and watched. And I'll go back to ESPN this week and watch it because it now deserves to be watched. But we shouldn't be surprised by that. Bayern will drop a couple more matches this year that they probably shouldn't. And other top teams will as well, like Freiburg did. Freiburg is a better team than Frankfurt from top to bottom roster-wise. From the results early in the year, they're better than Frankfurt. But you play the game the right way, you take advantage of opportunities, and you can beat a better team, especially in the Bundesliga. Take Hoffenheim this weekend. Uh, they beat uh, mm-hmm. uh, Leipzig 2 0. And just saying, you on paper would not have picked uh, Hoffenheim to get the win. And yet uh, they did. And remember, they don't even have uh, Klajnic. Uh, even currently able to play right now. So the sheer fact that they were able to come away with that sort of a scoreline, just you just you, you just never know. I mean, some things are certain: uh, death taxes and Groitefeth going down. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, those guys who we had the last second defeat of, they went up against the Foles and they got waxed. Um, Chris, is it any? Is there any way possible for Greutherford not to be already considered relegated right now, mathematically or <sighs> look mathematically? No, but emotionally, I've already I've already shut the door. Yeah, you negative twenty five goal difference. Yeah, you cannot allow thirty three goals over twelve matches while only scoring eight. I mean, the math on the goals alone is... A, I, I kind of figured they were going to be in a battle. Uh, you know the reason that I was hoping they would stay up and their little brother across town would stay down. Um, but <laughs> that, uh, I, I that, just, uh, that might be funny uh, to have the elevator <laughs> occur. Yeah. But uh, we're talking yeah. about the second division but, now, and we don't need to do that until the... Until... First no, but as far as Firth... Um, mathematically i don't think they have a chance it's going to be more somebody else just falling apart having a major collapse but i don't think augsburg will do that they've saved themselves enough hertha had their scare last year i don't think they're going to be falling apart again uh balcom might be the most vulnerable to me they they they're not scoring a lot of goals uh they're saving graces they don't allow many their defense for being a bad team, their defense is pretty decent. So uh, if somebody starts scoring goals on them, their inability to score goals might put them into a tailspin. You mean like uh, Bielefeld is currently in right now? Yeah, exactly. Bielefeld, you know, if they had Wolves ready, but but they they just freaking fell flat. Um, You could even say Stuttgart. Stuttgart, look, I was big on Stuttgart after them not losing like a single player, but 
I think that second year syndrome has hit them and hit them hard. They've also apparently had uh, quite a lot of injury and COVID issues. So we'll see what they're able to do in the spring. But right now, Stuttgart is one who's just faltering. Augsburg should have enough to keep themselves up, which is a shame because it's not a club that I have a lot of love for at all. Um, Because when I look at the Bundesliga, I look at uh, teams that are not there. Now, it's kind of exciting to think of what could happen. Darmstadt could be back up and the rivalry renewed. You could have St. Pauli, a big-name club in a big-name city there. And yet, even still, you could have any number of Nuremberg, Hamburg, Schalke uh, get promoted. I mean, I really don't think... I think uh, Werder Bremen is... I think there, there are just too many teams in front of them, but... You know, you'd want to see more of the big city clubs get in there. You know what? Like Hanover, we saw them as a Bundesliga consistent. And now they're only out of the relegations in the second division via goal difference. There's Dynamo Dresden. Now, the East German clubs that are not in Berlin or funded by uh, soft drink companies, they have a certain advantage uh, they, they're at a disadvantage uh, just due to economic circumstances of their regions. Uh, uh, throw in Rostock, another one that had a long-standing Bundesliga tradition. Dusseldorf, they should be participating in the Bundesliga, and yet you have Greutherford, Belgium, and the likes in there. But anyways, we're kind of going off on a tangent here, but let's get to uh, the final subject of the match uh, of this episode, and it's the match against Royal Antwerp. Um... 2-0, uh, excuse me, 2-1 loss at the weekend against Satruden. In case anyone is wondering where that name stems from, that's where Daichi Kamada was before he came back to the Eintracht and started producing at a moderate level. I know I'm still on Kamada Island, but uh, yeah, for me, they uh, this is a all-or-nothing match for them, and we can really ride this out if we put our foot down early against them and we've seen what can happen if we put our foot down in Europe and I don't think we're really going to have all too much uh, too great a trouble. I think that we're going to score two goals in the first half like we have just done uh, That like because Antwerp in uh, as they've, they've shown in their other matches I mean, Fenerbahce is not doing very well in the league at all, and yet they gave up three goals in the first half uh, at home to Fenerbahce. So that's why I am picking the Eintracht to win. Chris, what are you thinking is going to happen? Because we've already had uh, something else go on with that, and we can also get to the lone Twitter question. We can get to a Twitter question that threw in. All right, so... The problem is the way things are now. We're set up to go through mm-hmm. uh, this, comfortably. Yeah, comfortably this, go through as top and don't have to worry about the competition until I think late February, early March. That's yeah. a lot of Bundesliga this, action we can then focus on on a week by week basis. This is a throwaway match on paper. The problem is we're such a moody diva with. Uh, head full of marbles that if we play in such a manner that we just say, Hey, 
let's go through the motions, we're liable to lose 6-0 on the weekend. So I want to go into this with the focus and motivation as if we need these three points to survive. Because the only way I think we're going to continue rounding this corner that we've been spending the last you know, four or five weeks on is if we go into it with a killer with a killer mentality. Um, they're not going to cause a lot of trouble for us. They haven't given anyone too much trouble in Group D so far. Uh, I want to see... that match we played at, at their own ground. That's true. Where we needed the penalty to survive. But... That's kind of it. And they've but been even able to so, use, that do just wasn't fine a in match. the league. Yeah, that wasn't a match where they took it to us as much as we were just not interested in showing up that day. You know, that that wasn't one where you could say they matched up well against us. They didn't. They don't have the advantage at any of the 11 positions. We just decided not to show up. Um, but we had a lot of guys playing in Europe for their first go-around at that point, too. Um, you know, we're a lot more comfortable, I think, with this European uh, format for a lot of the young guys that are getting their first taste of it. And I don't think it'll phase us at all, especially being at home. So I'm going to give us the 2-0 advantage. There we go. Uh, we're both leaning towards the wins on that one. But, yeah, Chris, uh, before we leave, uh, there was a Twitter question. Uh, I'll let you read that out, and I can have a stab at answering it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm definitely sending this one your way. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, from Twitter, our friend Garrett here in Detroit uh, the player you're expecting the most out of uh, between a couple or three guys that we saw on the bench today, um, but have seen regular playing rotation, um, Hauga, Kamada and Lammers of those three, who are you expecting the most out of? Kamada has had the most playing time over the past few years. Hauga had some, a lot of time early in the year. Lammers came on a little bit in Europa league. Where do you, expect the most uh, return out of those three guys? Mm, I think I think uh, the player who's got the most chance to make the uh, return, that means we're focusing on the Bundesliga matches, and because uh, Kamada seems to just want to show up these days for the Europa League matches, I'm going with Jens Pate-Hauk. and that means that we're going to be we're going to be activating the buyout clause on this player and I think that the Eintracht have got a really great Norwegian player uh, in their hands. The question is, are we going to use him correctly? He's got a lot of fle- he he gives the Eintracht a lot of flexibility, and on the fact that you know if Kostic went down, we would throw him out on the left without hesitating. We'd throw him out on the left, and that to me means that he is like. In any match day situation, he's going to get uh, have more of an impact uh, on the course of the season. Right now, uh, I think he if he's not starting against Andelect, uh, uh, not Andelect, Antwerp. Thinking of another uh, <laughs> club from Still Belgium, uh, but if he's not starting, he's one of the first players off the bench. Uh, because this is the kind of uh, match that definitely needs some rotation. Because guess what? If you if we get the lead that we've been talking about early, 
that means we're really having to yank guy. We're going to want to yank guys off the pitch to be able to play uh, against Union at the weekend. Now, will we have a lot of time? Yes, but I mean, Union's looking at death right in the face in their match uh, in the uh, Europa Conference. So I'm very much thinking that uh, Eintracht is going to have to utilize uh, the full extent of the team. And I think Hauga, we are going to see uh, specifically see him in a very bright uh, scenario uh, in the next coming matches. So I'm hopefully that answers the question on that. Chris. Yeah, my my eyes are on uh, Glasner on Thursday. How he rolls these substitutions. If we assume we're coming out of the break with a lead, um, I'm not against two subs at at the half halfway mark. Uh, just if nothing else, to save some energy for the weekend. And especially, you know, I didn't like the way we kind of parked the bus a little too early today. So I'd like us to keep pushing a little bit if you want to bring on uh, a striker or somebody to kind of relieve the pressure and keep the ball in the offensive third for a while. I'm okay with that too because I, I like bringing on Ilsanker. I can't believe I just said that. Um, but all we're doing Remember, when we, we have to we have to be sparing on him yeah, because yeah. if he is used too much, we have to offer him a new contract. Yeah, that's true too. Um, but I mean, really, the question is: if, Assume we're in the lead, are we going to mm-hmm. sit back, or are we going to kind of push forward? And it it takes a lot off the the mental and physical side of things to push forward than it does when you fall back. So, exactly. especially against a team that we outnumber in ten out of ten or maybe eleven positions on the field, um, keep pushing forward. Use those substitutions liberally so that we have the legs come Sunday. 100%. All right, that's going to wrap it up, Chris, with uh, uh, this episode of Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt. Do you know how many episodes we're now sitting on? A lot. 197, man. Ooh, big things coming up. We need cake. I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe we'll have a cake, but... Hey, there's nothing wrong with us just talking about Eintracht. Just the same format that we have almost every single episode. If we have a extra you know what special we have to guest, do, Brian. it's not a big deal. But Wait. it's about the fan. What do the fans want? They want to hear about the Eintracht. So you, you know what's been suggested, and I'm with this. Mm. Our, our buddy Eddie out in Ireland suggested 200 minutes of Eintracht. That is a lot of... That is three... <laughs> that is... Most people fall asleep. I mean, when you're driving eight hours a day like he does, I think we owe it to our fans to give them what they want. Oh, man. <laughs> like, look, I've got no problem with making a compilation episode of the best interviews, but at the end of the day, it's all about the Eintracht discussion that we have on this podcast on an episode-by-episode basis. That's that's what is important here. Uh, and you know what? You don't, it doesn't matter who you're talking to. It's, it's the content uh, that is uh, being discussed. That's what's important. That's what's important. But you know what? This is the podcast by the fans for the fans. Uh, we don't, we literally source 
all of our content by ourselves. We talk about it off air. We Google it. We talk about it through text message. We talk on discord and then we just sit here and get to bullshit about it. So there we go. Uh, bring what you have to the episode. We want to talk about what you want to hear. So hundred percent. That's going to wrap it up for episode 197 of hate on track. Frankfurt. Thank you, Chris, for joining me on this one. It's a lot better than talking to myself when I was doing episode one. Uh, oh, so many months ago. I think it was recapping uh, Eintracht versus Mainz and Mainz made an escape at the very tail end of their season ahead of the 1617 uh, Pokal now. Uh, God, seems like a lifetime ago. But that's what happens when you follow the Eintracht. You fall in love, you fall in love hard, and uh, it doesn't let you ever forget anything. Anything. Chris, where can we find you on the social media landscape of the world? At C in the D three one three. You can also follow me on Twitter. That is at KCSGE. Follow the show. More importantly, that is at HE at Pod. Hey, Eintracht Frankfurt uh, is available to you on Instagram. So give a like on that. Uh, we're always interactive on there. Uh, Matt's doing a great job of doing uh, the uh, pre-match stuff. I think it's really good. If you, if you have ideas on how to improve the show, uh, you can always drop us an email. That's heyuntrackedfrankfurt at gmail.com. And if you're wanting to get all the English language content covering the Eintracht and the internet landscape, it's uh, facebook.com slash hefpod. Until we get a, uh, until we possibly get a website up where we have everything that is Eintracht, the Bundesliga, German soccer in general, all in one location. Uh, something we might, uh, something we're hoping that we can get off the ground here in the not too distant future. So from all of us here at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, enjoy the Eintracht versus Antwerp. It's going to be an American holiday, so some of us are. Uh, tweeting pictures instead of the Eagles uh, endeavors, but tweeting pictures of food. Uh, Please, if you are not from the United States, do not judge. If you are Canadian (laughs) and want to judge, you know, you know, you're the one who decides to put it on some random day in freaking October. I'm just leaving it at that. (laughs) I married a Canadian. No comment. (laughs) That's going to wrap it up for us. So until next time, juice. Augsburg upset Bayern. We talk about it off air. We Google it. We talk about it through text message. We talk on Discord. I mean, yeah, maybe we'll have a cake. Things could not be better.